Welcome to Read Between the Lines, where Gazette editor Miles Reed takes a look behind the scenes of running the Capital Region's largest locally owned media outlet. For 15 years, I've moderated the Gazette's political debates every election season. And for 15 years, these events have gone smoothly. Until this year, that is. This year, we hosted three debates, and the first two went off without a hitch, as usual. The third one, however, was a totally different story. Two weeks before the election day, we were in Amsterdam for a debate between the two candidates for mayor, the Democratic incumbent and a Republican challenger. At first, everything went fine, but it didn't last. About 15 minutes into the debate, it took a dramatic turn. This is when the candidates were suddenly and surprisingly unwilling to abide by the 60-second limit for their answers. Before long, they were talking over each other to the point where we had to mute their mics for the first time in any debate that I've been involved with. And even after we muted their mics, they actually kept talking. As one of my colleagues later said to me, it went off the rails and pretty fast. By shoving something down their throats they don't want. Okay, that everyone lives there does not want this, and you were playing their person. Okay. I'm neighborhood meetings, and you weren't at one of them. Okay. That's not okay. I talked to every neighborhood member who was against that project. We're going to move on to the next one. Thank you, gentlemen. That's not what they say. That's not what who said. We got a lot of good questions going. Even today, two weeks after that Amsterdam debate. I'm still not sure where things broke down and what it means about the broader political climate in 2023. But to help sort this out and hopefully shed a little more light on it, we're joined today by Skidmore College political scientist Bob Turner to talk to me for my brand new podcast, Read Between the Lines. You're listening to Read Between the Lines with Miles Reed. Uh, greetings and welcome to the podcast, Bob. Can you just start by just giving a brief overview of the background you have and how you got into political science? Uh, so my name is uh, Bob Turner. I'm an associate political science professor at Skidmore College. I uh, have been there since 2000. I got my PhD in political science from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And, and I started off really studying state and local economic development. But the longer I've been in Saratoga, the more I've gotten uh, intrigued in following uh, Saratoga politics, but, but local politics in general, which is a bit of an understudied black hole within the larger realm of political science. Yeah. So you talk about Saratoga, and that's one of the main reasons we wanted to talk to you. That is certainly a, a place where there has been a lot of explosive rhetoric this year. Uh, it, in recent years, it's been bad. Could you talk to us about, you know, do you think it's worse than it's ever been? Or how do you describe what's going on right now? Because it seems to have hit a fever pitch. I teach a first-year seminar that focuses on the city election. And I almost didn't teach it this year because I looked and I said, boy, things are going really well in Saratoga. There's going to be a lot of unopposed races. I think it'll be kind of a dull and boring election. <laughs> and... A former student said, I think you just have to trust the process. And kudos to Olivia because I did, and it's turned out to be um, kind of crazy and bonkers as usual. I think there's something uh, uh, something must be in the water in Saratoga because we, we like our politics, very hard-hitting, very conflictual, and elections are, all, are always hard-fought. They're almost never um, – especially the mayoral races, it's never uncontested. And I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. I think, um, 
I think in many places where you don't see any conflict, it's because the, the supervisor races aren't contested at all. Yeah, so one of the things I've noticed that is sort of notable in Saratoga is this question about civility, both on the council and in public forums, et cetera. And it was one of the questions at the forum last week at Skidmore. Can you talk about that, about, you know, how do you see this issue of civility within, you know, local politics? Has it gotten worse? Is it different than it used to be? Um, I, I conduct a poll uh, periodically in of – uh, voters on in the Saratoga Springs election, and we always ha have a question about civility on there. And it's really never more than 10 to 15, maybe 20 percent, uh, I think, in one year. And that was the year that uh, Tommy McTide and, and Valerie Keene had been feuding. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's a big issue for most voters, but it's something that I think candidates always bring up when they are challenging an incumbent that somehow the incumbent isn't being transparent or they're not being civil. I think there's local politics is in some ways different from national politics in that we, again, national politics, of course, we expect Biden and Trump to be screaming at each other and expect to be conflictual. But I think a lot of people want their local politics to be, to be peaceful, to be unanimous. We're all in it together. And in some ways, it reflects there's not really – this, this sort of belief that there's not a Republican or Democratic way to, to plow a road. Mm -hmm. In our recent debate, we had a debate in Amsterdam, and it, it hit a fever pitch, uh, unlike anything that I've seen in recent years in, in doing the debates. And it seemed like it took on sort of these national and state issues, uh, and the candidates really got after <coughs> it. So, you know, have you seen in any kind of examples uh, where these national political issues are creeping into some local races? I think that one of the dominant themes within the sort of study of political science right now is the nationalization of local politics. Um, again, at one point, local politics would have been, you know, almost more of a managerial style about who's doing a good or bad job running it. And now, um, again, people's vote in uh, presidential elections aligns really, really close with their vote with local elections. The number of people who are splitting their ticket or voting across party lines is at an all-time high. And I think with it, the sort of rhetoric and style that you see at national politics is coming down to the, the local level as well. Even in, you know, in Saratoga City uh, Council, we see them adopting many of these sorts of symbolic political gestures, which are, are designed to signify sort of alignment to uh, national values, whether it's voting on transgender rights or uh, LGBTQ rights or, or gun control. Um, these aren't things that we were voting on in the past, and, and now this council is, seems to be very set upon sending that message to those voters. And do you think it's useful for the local voters? When we do see these kind of symbolic gesture votes, we sometimes just sort of raise our eyebrows and say, maybe we're not going to commit to covering it, or if we do, it will be part of a broader story. But do you, do you see value in it? Perhaps there is value, but is there? Um, I think... I think the argument for there being value is that in, you know, in many local elections, voter turnout is, uh, you know, 20, 25 percent. And uh, the, the voters who drop out are often uh, are, are younger voters and renters. Um, and it's, I think it's often because they're not necessarily sure about where the candidates stand on those issues. And to the degree that you send a clearer message about where you stand on those issues, that's okay. And I think for many voters um, – 
the, you know, the values, I'm being willing to fight for my values is something that voters, I think, really um, uh, want in making their decision, as opposed to, say, um, you know, efficiency or delivering. I mean, it's one thing you see with the, the Biden administration upset that they're not getting credit for what's happened with the infrastructure bill, but Democrats want someone who's going to fight Trump. And that's just a, that just seems that's the way of our politics now. Do you see it changing at all in terms of going into the future? I mean, there are some people, um, certainly after a few of the debates we've, we've had, who have been critical of the Gazette, but also critical of me as a moderator for actually talking too much about some of these national issues and saying, you know, you're, you're losing sight of these local issues, you know, get away from them. We have used some of those questions because we think, you know, it actually just, it shows what kind of thinking a candidate has. But do you see any shift going forward or is this sort of a new normal? I, I think it probably is the new normal. And I think one thing I said, it's, it's unfortunate is I, I, I think conflict is okay. I think, you know, negative advertising, which voters say they hate, but they, it's something they always remember, is often really telling. I mean, we've had um, something I think was probably one of the sort of nastiest, most racialized campaign ad uh, in, this, uh, in this recent sort of city elections. And it, quite frankly, it stimulated a lot of voters on both sides. It said volumes about the character. It, it certainly drove a lot of interest. You can see there's a lot of interest in the candidate who was attacked as well as the person who, who did it. And even at this, the Skidmore debate, it was very civil and towards the end, and one of the students said, you know, what has the mayor done wrong? And Chris Matisson went all, like, he had, he'd been very civil and polite and then said, I think this, this, this. And, uh, and then Mayor Kim came back with a very sort of forceful defense of his argument and his values. And he saw these things. And sure, they were mixing it up a little, but I thought uh, that you, you learned a lot about where they, they stood on the issues. And I think that's okay. Yeah, along the same lines with this, in, in terms of social media, how have you seen that change in, in recent years, over the last 10 years, in terms of a race like this in Saratoga, where it is so heated? I mean, do you think it is beneficial to see it? It seems like the criticism of the most recent campaign mailing sort of first sparked up on social media. Is it a good thing? Is it a starting point? And how do you talk about it with your students? Um, we spent a lot of time in class, as you know, Miles, uh, talking about uh, the importance of local news and how it covers, and in some ways how the shrinking of local news combined with the sort of explosion of social media. I think one of the things that differentiates Saratoga Springs from a lot of other places is that we have a very um, active and vocal social media, local news, I don't want, I, I hesitate to say the word coverage, but there are podcasts, there are blogs, there are websites that cover things. They don't have traditional journalistic ethos, but they often will, will hit upon things that are important. And they are also, um, you know, there's, a, there's an element of meanness and a little bit of unfairness in some of those things that you wouldn't necessarily get in a, in a, in a traditional journalistic setting. And I'm, I'm torn on one hand between thinking that negativity is discouraging people from participating and from running for office because they think, my God, I can't put my family through that, as well as on the other hand saying, well, you know, they're, they're hitting upon important and timely things that allow voters to, to make a more informed decision. So we're obviously going uh, in the next cycle, we're going into congressional races, 
presidential race. You know, how do you see over the next 12 months locally, but also like statewide and I think nationwide, I guess, you know, how do you see this, this um, atmosphere going over the next year? Is it going to become more heated? Any changes that you, you see coming? I, I think it's going to become, I think it's going to become far more heated. I, I think in many races, it's uh, shifting to a, a turnout mentality as opposed to a persuasion mentality. So the, uh, the idea is that we need to identify uh, how outrageous our opponents are to focus on the, the sort of the negative advertising, right? I mean, the, the amount of party uh, affiliation that people have is in many ways at an all-time low, but that sort of the negative polarization, right, where I think, oh, my goodness, my opponents are just, the, you know, they're a threat to democracy, um, are what are, are driving these things. And so to the degree that you can get people outraged and stimulated, that's what's going to drive people to the, the polls as opposed to a more calm, rational deliberation on the issues. And do you, do you see that also being reflected in local and regional races too? I, I think it's incre- it is increasingly so, although many places with the, the sort of the rise of partisanship there are many places where one party just has a, you know, has a simple majority, a large majority of voters. And so these, these uh, local governments slide into sort of non-competitive single party states, which I don't think is, I don't think that's, I don't think that's positive at all. I think elections are really good elections. Having competitive elections and having media scrutiny ensures that everyone is always on their best behavior for their fear of getting caught, their fear of getting audited at the next election or at the next op-ed cycle. So, uh, you know, you're in Saratoga, and obviously this issue of charter uh, change has come up umpteen times. Uh, I hear rumblings that it might be coming up again. Uh, I might have heard it in one of your classes or somewhere. (laughs) So, you know, how do you see that and how does that play, you know, how does that issue play into this this whole issue with the changing dynamics, social media, et cetera? Do you think that that will actually garner some support finally or? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Hope hope springs eternal, Miles. Uh, I do think there is a lot of enthusiasm for charter reform. I think the trick has always been in the past when putting it up, how do you separate it from the personalities who are there in office? That I think was certainly the case when we put up a reform and many people gave us, um, said, why didn't you put forward a, a more sort of traditional strong mayor model? And I think my answer to that was always, well, if I had said we should have a strong mayor and Pay, it, pay this person $100,000 a year, people would have said, well, you're just doing this for Joanne Yepsen. You know, you're a, you're a stooge. Um, but I just know that, like, my strongest opponent in previous charter discussions was uh, Commissioner of Finance, Michelle Madigan. And after our debate, we started, ta- uh, after the debate at Skidmore, we started talking, and she said, you know, I'm actually open to the idea of charter reform. I think the idea of a strong mayor model would hold a lot more interest. I also just got an email today from uh, the com- um, the head of the city Republican Party, uh, Mike Brandy, and you know he apologized for maybe some of the things he may have said in, in the Daily Gazette piece, and I, I accepted those in goodwill. And uh, he said, I'd love to, after the election, sit down and talk about the charter with you in a beer. So I, I think there's a lot of interest in it. I think a lot of people increasingly are realizing it may be time. 
Yeah, so we'll definitely be following up on that with you, I'm sure. Um, one of the last questions I want to talk to you about is, you know, what is your favorite thing to do on election night and what kind of snacks do you have? <laughs> what do you advise students or political junkies to do in terms of that night? It's a big night for you, but what, what is in store this year and usually? So uh, my favorite thing to do on election night is to go to the election night parties in Saratoga Springs. And... Uh, the Republicans are always at the Holiday Inn. The Democrats have often been uh, across the street. They've shifted to another hotel. I, I think they may be moving it somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where it is. Um, but I take my group of first-year students, and we then we go to the One Saratoga Party. We then go to the Republican Party. We then go to the Democratic Party, and we try and make a prediction about who's going to win because we want to be in the room uh, wh wherever the winning candidate, the mayoral candidate in particular, is. And I love to take my, my students there because they get to see all these personalities they've read and they've heard about. And for me, the, the real high point is always um, after the winners and losers have been announced, the, the losers always come and walk over to the winners and say, you know, congratulations and, you know, it's a good race. And um, I remember uh, two years ago when we did this, there was a student there who was, I was starting to heckle the Republican opponent, and I grabbed him. I grabbed him by his ears, and you know, was ready to throw him down. I said, "Listen, you have to understand, the transfer of power is amazing. It's so hard for the losing candidate to come and do this, but it's this amazing democratic ritual to watch up close in person." Fingers crossed for. Uh, and uh, and I will say that the Republicans always have better food than the Democrats. My students, they they went to the Republicans. I, I don't know they're going to want to invite us back because I think my uh, my students last year ate like half of their tacos, and then they went to the Democrats. There was like two bags of chips. They were bitterly disappointed. Okay. So, well, thank you, and, and uh, here's to good eating for you and all your students tomorrow, and I know they're going to be well served, and it, it'll be an exciting night, and, and I'll be watching too. So It's been a while since I've been this unsure on the outcome of the race. I asked my students, and they – they split 50-50 on whether they thought the Democrat or Republican was going to win. So I thought that was a pretty, a, pretty interesting, uh, a pretty interesting result. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Miles. You're listening to Read Between the Lines with Miles Reed. Perspective is vital in the news business. When we're in the thick of our coverage of some kind of big event, it's sometimes hard or even impossible to see the forest for the trees. This is especially true in an election year. During an election season, it's tempting to draw premature conclusions about the candidates, the races, what kind of trends are emerging, like this year, like that debate in Amsterdam. Since then, I've been wondering whether the political climate is soured to the point that we can't get along enough to hold a civil debate and civil political forums. But after speaking with Professor Turner today, I feel like it's been a refreshing shot of perspective. Local politics are always potentially contentious. I should remember that, but sometimes I don't, especially in local communities like Saratoga Springs, Amsterdam, Schenectady, places where there's a lot of local interest in politics and governance. But this doesn't mean that I'm not keeping an eye on some of the issues as we turn our attention to the next election cycle, the 2024 election season. There'll be a presidential race that everyone's going to be watching, 
there will be another round of congressional races, which will once again be right in the focus of everybody's interest. And then, of course, all the regular local contests. As Professor Turner pointed out, the nationalization of local politics has been growing in recent years, and it appears to be continuing. The question for us now at the local paper is how much of an impact we'll see in some of our local and regional races. So tune in again, please, as we continue to follow this and other stories in the news on Read Between the Lines. <laughs>